1033 The Goat. I don't care how fast you are or how big you are, somebody's going to be faster and somebody's going to be bigger. The greatest sports talk of all time. Ah! Buckle up, boys. Time to go to work. 1033 The Goat. Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello. Welcome in to the Great Scott Show on a Gimme All You Got Friday. Gimme All You Got! Gimme All You Got! You notice in the background of that, you can actually hear goats? No, really. Gimme All You Got! Gimme All You Got! I heard it in the background? (laughs) 1033 The Goat. Greatest sports talk of all time. Welcome in. It's the Great Scott Show. It's a Friday. Got a great show for you. Ryan Leaf. You know who Ryan Leaf is. Friend of the program. Uh, Was very outspoken on social media last night after the Tua injury. He will join me at 8.30 this morning. Dr. Brian Maggard, AD at UL, will join me at 8 for a little bit. Norman Locke is supposed to be in this building. He's in town. I actually bumped a guest for him when he told me he'd be here. And yet he was supposed to be on with Lynn and apparently he's sleeping in. So if you happen to see Norm, Mr. Trollmaster, just, you know, tell him to get a new alarm. But kicking off the show of this on this wonderful Friday morning on the GOAT is a GOAT. Gus Cattengill. Saints and Pelicans correspondent on with me right now, live from NOLA. Good morning, Gus. What's happening, my friend? It's really nice of you to rename your entire station after me. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the first of many to make that joke. <laughs> How many goat comments do you think you're getting today? Oh, I don't know. At least a couple hundred. Yeah, well... I mean, a lot of, a lot of, wait, wait, what? Wait, what's the go? What is it? Oh, that's why yeah. you've been playing. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, huh? Wait, what, is this the same? Everything's, everything's the same. Just new name. You know what I mean? New name, very, new attitude. Strategic, I was going to say, it's a very strategic thing you guys did uh, to distract from the awesome football that's being played on the offensive side of football by your New Orleans Saints. Not, Good Lord. It's actually really brilliant. No, really no, no. Uh, look, yeah. before we get to that, I do. Uh, I want to start with, I guess, a serious topic that everyone was talking about last night, that everyone's still talking about this morning. Um, right. The Bengals beat the Dolphins, uh, as I predicted. But really, it, it's it's not the game. It is the injury to Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, and... Uh, when something like that happens, there's a lot. There's there is a lot of outrage. Um, and for those that maybe don't know the backstory, last week in a game against Buffalo, a thrilling game that Miami won, uh, Tua got slammed back. His head kind of hit the turf um, as he was landing on his back, and when he got up, he was wobbly and kind of fell to the ground or fell to his knee. Was touching his head, not his back. Uh, and then returned to the game later, and they just said it was a back injury. Many felt like it was concussion. Uh, many in the medical community were watching and felt like it was concussion and assumed 
well, maybe the player uh, that that's that's the I don't want to give out false information, but I mean that's that's what happened. Um, that's what everybody was thinking, and the Dolphins said, "Oh, it was a back thing," and and that's kind of the story that they all stuck to. Uh, whether it's true or not, I'll leave up to everyone to decide for themselves. But uh, many felt like he maybe shouldn't have been playing last night, and last night uh, he suffered another concussion. Mike McDaniel said it was just a concussion, nothing more. But watching it on Amazon Prime last night, Gus and the way his hands and fingers curled in the way that happens when you have a uh, severe hit to the head. I mean, it was it was a brutal concussion. Um, stretcher went to the hospital, flew back with the team. Uh, ben Watson, former NFL tight end, said, "You know, a two-hour flight is probably the last thing you need with a swelling brain." But again, I, I'm I'm not a doctor. There were a lot of doctors. I mean, no actual doctors. Uh, on social media last night that were that were outraged. Um, I, first and foremost, man, I mean, I, I get everybody wants to be mad at someone. I understand that. I just hope he's okay, honestly. I mean, football, I love football. I will watch football tonight. I will watch football tomorrow. I will watch football Sunday. I will watch football Monday. I will talk about football all weekend, and I will be nervous about baseball as the Mets play the Braves, but I, I, it will be football, right? And and yet it's such a brutal game at times, man, in that, you know, that same field where Ryan Shazier of, of Pittsburgh suffered that horrendous injury uh, years back. It's it is a uh, it's a brutal game, man. And first and foremost, I, I just hope Tua is OK. But what what's going through your mind last night is he suffers that uh, that brutal concussion, man. I'll tell you what, Scott, looking at it, you know, obviously you see it and, I mean, my wife gasps. You know, I mean, we're on the couch watching the game. And, um, I mean, first thing you think of, you know, you see it. And I think immediately, you know, I go to, to last week. I mean, we're, we're sitting there last week um, at our Saints post-game podcast show that we, we do it at. And, um watching the game and when I see it I'm like, dude, that guy's concussed, right? Um I mean you saw him get up there. I mean I literally was like, oh, oh man, that doesn't look good. It kinda like you know, turns your stomach a bit. I mean here's the thing, dude, you, you see it and if you see it you sort of feel it, you kinda get an idea of it. And um I don't know man, I, I guess I kinda go to just my experience of being on the sidelines, my experience of understanding what it takes to go into all of that, just um, a lot kind of is going through my head, Scott, to be honest with you. I mean, it's understanding, talking to trainers in the past of, um, you know, sitting there saying, you know, um, hey, you have, you have, um, you have uh, you know, people that are there to watch uh, for things like that. Um they kind of talked about it afterwards on Thursday night football after it got blasted at halftime on social media for not talking about it. But which, I remember talking which to there's just, trainer, I, I, what, I, yeah, I'm sorry, real quick. There's I, I, everybody on social media wants to be mad at anyone when something like that happens. Like those right. guys, I mean, they, they just, they're, they're, it's what their third game ever doing that. I mean, they're, they want them to just like burn down the NFL at halftime. Like, eh. That's they're not they're not the bad guys, man. They're just they're just doing a halftime show, trying to react to to something that was stunning. I don't know. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. 
No, I was just saying, though, it's like when you, you, you heard Tony and them finally say it. I, I just remember speaking to one of the trainers um, when, when I was doing two-lane football when they started instituting the concussion protocol thing from the college and then high school standpoint to where you have to have, like, spotters and somebody from the team actually. Right. Scott, it is their job, as you know, is to literally sit there. And I remember, I mean, she was a basketball trainer, but on football, she literally sat there with binoculars in one of the the rooms next to where the scores board table is or, you know, the people that operate the clock. And her job was literally to see anything. And if somebody stumbled, looked like that, she has to call it in. Like, so that's the first thing that pops in my head is, Man, it really looks it, right? I mean, I don't know. You know the phrase, if it looks like a duck, acts like a duck. And to duck, I was going to say, if it looks like a goat, acts like a goat, is a goat, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Is, Absolutely. I mean, if you look at that play, there it is. The first thing you think of is that dude's concussed. To then hear, and especially the thing that I think really confuses people is that at the very beginning of that, whole thing is he is being evaluated for a head injury. That's what the press box, that's what the Dolphins say as he leaves the game. He then comes back in the game and all of a sudden it's a neck and back and now it's an ankle and back. And again, man, I, I've had back issues. I've, you know, I just, there's too many people that have had head trauma injuries. I know you saw that a lot yesterday on social media too. They were like, man, that, really looks like it was a head trauma thing. And then I think the reason there was so much outrage is because of the dangers of a second concussion in a short period amount of time, which is why, per the NFL, right, if you get concussed, you, you're automatically out for the most part, right, for that next game. I know in the NBA is sort of like that, too. So, I mean, I, I think that's why people see that. Um, and, and I guess that's just the thing that, that gets me, man, is I – I just, there's a lot of different things that I'm confused. I'm confused because like Tony Gonzalez said, I'm confused because there is a lot of protocol. There is a lot of different conversations that need to happen. And and for for it to say that it's not, then man, a lot of people need to be on the same game plane of a lie, if that makes any sense. You know what I'm saying? It's like um, listening to, the ESPN injury analyst this morning, literally before you came to me, I'm walking the dog. And I mean, she spoke for 20 minutes on all of the different things that would have had to happen throughout the week, that day, that morning, that afternoon, that night, the next morning, um, that once Tua was cleared, they're not stopping talking to him. He has to then meet with people the next morning, the next day, the next Friday, and you know, it was Thursday. So for four days per her, if they did it now, Scott, if they did it, they would have had to talk to him and evaluate him the entire time. So I think that's what's confusing, you know? Um, and it could, even though sometimes it, it may not be what you, you kind of think, whatever, you know what? It, it could just very well be a, a, a separate event. Maybe it was his back and his ankle and his neck or whatever. And being slammed like that is a completely different thing. It's just hard for us to not try to link it. It could very well be two completely different things because when he got slammed yesterday, that's different than landing on your back in the back of your head like that. So, I, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I'm confused. I understand it. I know my experience. 
And then I also have to be allowed to say, uh, or I guess to try to think, it could be two completely different things, you know, on that. I mean, but... Uh, you but know, but but based on you know what we see and what other doctors or Chris Nowinski look at on TV from afar, they're like, yeah, this this all the all the signs that you would look for are there uh, as far as concussions go. And Tony Gonzalez said last night after the game, he's like, look, I think he just went back in the game last week because it was a huge divisional game against the Bills. Um, I if if a player is asked. If they're able to cover it up, a lot of players, Gus, are going to cover it up. Not all. I, I don't. I don't know about two. I just. Just. I'm just saying. A lot of players are going to cover it up or say, you know, it's, no, it's not my head. It was my shoulder. It was my back. It was whatever. Because they're especially if you're on a rookie deal, whatever. I mean, there's millions of dollars on the line. It's a short window. It's and and aside from that, the competitor and these guys, they want to play. So if they're worried, man, if I say this, they might evaluate this and then I won't be able to play or I could be out that or you have to. There is in the in the uh, Michael Smith was reading it off of, I guess, I don't know if it was the NFLPA or, or, or what the exact concussion protocol language in the terms and conditions of the contract between the NFL and the NFLPA last night. And essentially part of it said, you know, uh, even if, you know, a, a player um clears uh, the the first protocol that you have to go through or clears a protocol if, if the medical professional still sees a player as unfit or or having any kind of neurological impact which any kind i mean if you fall down to your knees right if you if you if you stumble if you're wobbly then that player should be a no go so by that language you know phew, excuse me Unless against the Bills, you know, it was just his back, and that's why he was wobbling and grabbing his head after that play. Um, you know, then, okay, I guess they follow what they were supposed to. But either way, I mean, that, it's all it's all just talk now. I mean, it's it's unfortunate, and um, hopefully he's, he's okay. I'm glad he was, you know, I'm, I'm glad he's back with the team. I'm glad he was released from the hospital, and... And hopefully he's all right. It's just one of those things that when everyone's watching the same thing and it happens in a moment, everyone's going to have a strong visceral reaction. And this was a situation that was already sort of circled coming into the game because a lot of people felt like he shouldn't be playing. It wasn't like, you know, when, when, um, was it on, not Andre, when, when uh, the, the player for Louisville, where the basketball player in the final four had that just horrific, leg injury everybody's watching the final four so everyone's reacting on social media at once and everyone's talking about it and it's such a real visceral raw thing last night it was similar the only difference was that it was they were already in the spotlight of man maybe he shouldn't be playing because we think he probably had a concussion last week whether he did or not who knows you know a lot of people think he did but it was already circled and so when that happens there's a everyone wants to be mad everyone wants to you know, find someone on social media that isn't saying this is horrible, this is horrible. And if they're not saying that this is horrible, then I'm going to go after them. They all want it. It's, it's like they have to generate this emotion somewhere. Uh, and I get it. But at the end of the day, man, football's a brutal game. And that that gets lost sometimes when we're just being entertained at, at such a you know high level because we love it. But I just I hope he's OK. Uh, prayers up for Tua, and 
we'll see what happens from this situation. Uh, Bengals win the game last night, 25, uh, 27 to 15. Gus Cagno, our Saints and Pelican correspondent. I'm Scott Prather. It's the great Scott Show on 103.3 The Goat. <laughs> Greatest sports talk of all time. Gus, let's talk about uh, anything but great right now uh, because the Saints offense is the opposite. You had me on your show Wednesday. I was, I was heated. And Sean Fox apparently was taking shots at me later in the show. I got some listen. I, I got I had some listeners in New Orleans that that reached out to me after and were like, "Hey, man, you know Gus and Sean were just ripping on Scott, dude. What's up with that? Why you got you guys think you can just talk behind my back like that, Gus?" I wouldn't say I was talking behind your back. He was having fun at the expense of fighting with his the wall hall. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I messaged him. I messaged him. I was. I was. I. I knew it was all in good radio fun, but I mean, understanding your listeners have to understand. Um, Sean's a very sad man. I mean, you know. I mean, (laughs) he doesn't really have much. I mean, look. I mean, he is wealthy and having a wife and kid. That said, they run the household. Right, but he has He's to. But he has to live like what in Ruston or something. I mean, come on. That's what well, Monroe. I mean, Monroe. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I asked him if there was more than five <laughs> people in town. Um, you know, and then you know the other thing too. She's in cheerleading. I'm not knocking you guys out there, guys that do that. You guys know what what I'm about to say. But but Sean spends all year basically begging for any kind of work so he can pay for the yearly. Hey, y'all are going to compete for the championship trip to Disney World, which is now at about ten thousand dollars. He says, "So that's his life." You know, he gets home, he makes no decisions, um, and you know, he's a cheerleading dad. So I mean, that's he's, he's just look. He he's the guy that asks or or wants to know when the plastic bag should come out. He he, he skips the the paper bag. He goes straight to the plastic bag, and and I do remind him that there's a difference in breathability between a paper bag and a plastic bag. So um, that's just the kind of Saints fan he is, um, you know. So that's kind of what our conversations normally go. You know, are you okay? Are you, you're not going to lose, you know, lose it here? Things of that nature. So uh, the, the, where we the, um, Enough about Sean, but, you know, I did have to defend myself. <laughs> uh, the Saints, Gus, this offense is bad. They lost to a bad football team last week. The Panthers are a bad football team. They lost to yeah. a bad quarterback last week. Baker Mayfield's a bad quarterback. So far this season, Jameis Winston has played bad. Everyone can talk about the injury. Who's going to play Sunday? Well, Jameis has missed the last two practices. Maybe it is Andy Dalton. Uh, quarterback is not the only issue on this team. Uh, they are having major issues picking up blitzes. You know, there are communication issues. There is no excuse for a team that has Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry and Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram and NFC or rather NFL Rookie of the Month, Offensive Rookie of the Month, Chris Olave, uh, there, there is no excuse for that team in the first three quarters of the first three games, nine quarters combined, to have 13 total points. There is no excuse to have zero points in what, three quarters against the Panthers. Uh, special teams issues aside, I don't want to hear it. It's ridiculous. This offense has been putrid. This offense, all they have to be is adequate. You know, it's yes, the Saints have a good defense. They do. And yes, the Saints have a good, spe- good special teams, although they, they were not good on Sunday. Uh, overall, they, they do have good special teams, right? When you have that, all you have to do is, we, we talk, all you have to be is adequate, average. And they've been the opposite of that. Well, not the opposite, I guess. You know, if you do a, a three, they, they've been they've been they've been bad, right? They've been really bad. 
And I, I, I know it's early. You know, Jake DeLome, a guy I have a lot of respect for, a friend of mine, a guy that played in the league a long time. He's a color analyst for Carolina. You know, he told me before the season, and, and he's and he stayed on it, that you know, based on the way a lot of teams approach training camp and preseason and everything like that, you really have to wait until about week six before you can really truly identify the haves from the have-nots, you know. And, and we've seen the Saints get off to slow starts before, but Gus, nothing like this. Oh, they keep shooting themselves in the foot. Sure, they do, but offensively, it's bad. And, and if they have one great Sunday on offense, maybe everyone will start feeling a little bit better. We just haven't seen it. And yeah, the two-minute offense was great against Atlanta, who for some dumb reason decided to stop blitzing. You could probably because they're the Falcons. I get it. But outside of, of a lot of cosmetic yards and stats in the fourth quarter, the offense has been really bad. Let's not sugarcoat it. I, I, I can't lose game in London Sunday. Andy Dalton might be starting, even though the Saints are saying Jameis, whatever, Jameis this. He hadn't practiced the last two days. We might be hearing before I even get off the air with you whether he's practicing today because they're six hours ahead. But, like, what? where do you – can you go anywhere right now in regards to this team other than the offense and or the coaching? Is there anywhere else you would go to first when you're talking about concerns for this team? Or is that pretty much the first and, dare I say, last place we should go? Well, I think anytime a team struggles, that's where you question or you ask or you, you probably do start and go to. Um, I'm very curious as to how it's going to go this week because one of the other things, too, Scott, that I was kind of looking at this week is how – so you hear the players say they're close, right? Um, Dennis Allen's like, we're just shooting ourselves in the foot. You hear the – the defensive players, Pete Werner, Demario Davis, you hear all these guys saying they're the they're their own worst enemy, right? They're the ones that are that are doing it right now. So when you look at it from that perspective, you can kind of say, all right, well, if you're close, then you'll have confidence that they can a turn it around, be better, etc. And remember, as a lot of reporters posted this week. Um, this is a, you know, in the past, the Saints have started one and two. They have gone on to, um, you know, win eight straight, 11 straight, ninth, whatever. They, they've gone on to do win streaks. But after I played all that on Monday and talked about it, Scott, I'll ask you the question. Do you feel the same at that point about that than you did, you know, now? And it, it's that, it's that confidence of, you know, sometimes do you trust your eyes? Do you look for the deeper meaning? I, I, I just, you know, my, my gut, my eyes, my instinct, the years of watching, being on teams, just I, I, I see a quarterback that's battling with confidence right now. He's battling his own head. He's overthinking it. Um, believe me, I get at least 80% of the calls that, want to throw Dennis Allen under the bus, pay Carmichael. It's the play calling. You know, this team isn't ready. It, it's I, it's I, still, I it's still too that. early for all of that. I mean, I mean, well, look, the criticism is fair. It's too early to say that this whole thing is going to be a 100 complete failure, 100% complete failure. I mean, I, I think there's like, I, I said this on your show Wednesday. I mean, I, I, I if, if they, if the offense through four games, if they look as bad as they, they, they have, 
this Sunday. The offense looks as bad as it has whoever the quarterback is. I don't care. They look as bad as they have all season this Sunday. Then, then, then go ahead and maybe hit the panic button on the season. Because even though there's only one undefeated team left and there are all these games, you have to see some. Like I get, I get what Jake's saying, right? Wait, week six. But you have to see some kind of trend. And right now, we are seeing a trend, and it's not going the right way. Like, if it was really bad week one, a little bit better, still bad, a little bit, but we just, we've, we've, we haven't seen really any kind of growth in this offense, Gus. Right. And, and that's what I was getting at is that, you know, this week I, I thought the amateur professional, you know, film study group uh, was on it, right? And I say that because there are some people that cover the team and do it and then, you know, 90% of the Saints fans say they, they watch film. So, <laughs> it is what it is, right? We're going we're gonna to judge and base things off of still photos and, and look at it. But, again, certain things, Scott, are just certain things. And certain things that I saw this week are Chris Olave open at the first down marker on a play where Jameis rolls to his right. There's a passing lane. There's no Panther in front of him. And he, it, it's a high-low route, and he opts for Jarvis Landry, who's bracketed, and the ball goes out of bounds. Not only was it not accurate, but he was bracketed. Instead, 10, year, 10 yards short, shot, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage, Olave's at the first down marker with his hand up, wide open. Um, you know, you see instances where the, the, the primary read, as Nick Underhill and others put from New Orleans South football, it is Jarvis Landry. He is open going to the corner of the end zone. He overthrows and misses him to add insult to injury. There's Alvin Kamara right over the middle, wide open, would have been a first down if he checks it to him. Uh, I went through the hole. They're ignoring Alvin Kamara. They're not targeting him. I saw at least 25 photos this week of him open with his hand up in the air. Jameis just didn't go to him. Um, the the overwhelming feeling I see, especially this past week, going into last week, is right now Jameis is a one-read guy. I just don't know how to, to say that. He's, I, it, because here's the thing. Everyone's talking about this offense and everything. And actually, it was actually nice to hear Drew Brees over on WWL Radio this Man. week yeah. go on <laughs> and specifically talk about this offense. Can I, can I read the exact quote real quick for you, and then I'll throw it back ahead. to you? Yeah. Something that stood yeah. out to me about Drew Brees, who, remember, you and I got yeah. into a log argument when I said they can't run the same offense, but that's neither here yeah. nor there. He said, and I quote, 98% of playing quarterback is between the ears. Physical talent is great, but you have to know who to go to out on the field, reading coverages, touch timing on throws, changing out of plays, and going through your progressions quickly. Those are the keys, end quote. I mean, that's that's pretty direct there, Gus. Well, he said it succinctly, what I was probably going to say in 20 minutes. I, that's what I was trying to say to our listeners, and even you and I have had the discussion. It's there. And, and, and the argument you and I had as to whether or not he could run it, the point that I was making is, the offense is built for success. They have to be able to do it. And which is why I, I'm very interested in seeing what I'm going to see this week because I do predict the Saints offense is going to move the football. Um, at camp, Andy Dalton was the more accurate, you know, thrower. At camp, one of the comments I even told you when I'd come on, 
Andy, and he, he's breeze-like in this aspect of it. In the NFL, you have to throw the ball before the cut is made. Very few quarterbacks can get away, and very few routes and instances can you get away with. Guy goes down the field, makes the break, turns, faces, ball thrown. Like, very few times that happens. Jameis is late. Jameis is late on his thumb. I mean, there's no other way to look at it. And when you look at what I'm seeing in this offense, you have to do three things. And then the offense can cook like a Lamborghini, right? To go with Larry Nance's description of Zion's body, which, by the way, have you seen that, Scott? Anyway, um, he, you have to, you have to, first and foremost, you have to trust your line. Okay. You have to trust your protection. Then you have to trust the route. You have to trust what you know the offense is. And then you have to trust your mechanics. I mean, I, and I, I'm just going by that by years of being at that facility, hearing how it's harped on. I, I mean, just because Sean is gone, I can promise you you're still harping on when you hit your marker, when you make the turn, and then at the same time, comma, that's when the ball has to come out. I have heard Sean Payton say that so many times on a football field. Out, 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 out. Like, the ball has to come out at a certain point on that step. And when you look at Jameis, that, that's the thing that just, it, it, it's like a neon sign to me. There's no bobbling of the head in reading of progressions. That's what Drew is saying. You're not reading the field. It's locked in. We're going come hella high water to this situation. And if it's there, it's there. If it's not, it's not. It, 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 but that's trusting the offense, trusting the line. Maybe getting beat up in that first game, maybe having those ribs in his mind, whatever you know, clock you had that was going to be three seconds, two and a half, it's now maybe a half a second to one. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. And that's what I'm saying. You have to make that check. You have to check that box then to see if that's the case because that's why you put in Andy Dalton. That's why you have to see if he is healthy or hurt or not, then go heal. Because if, as he said this week in London, his goal is to be healthier so he can be better for the team. Well, that's going to take off Saints fans because they say, well, then you shouldn't have played the last two weeks if that was the case. So right, right, that's the right. issue. But, you know I mean? Like, that's what I'm saying, though, Scott. You see it. Dude. I'm not an offensive analyst. I'm not hating, but you do not see the eyes moving left to right. And the thing that's confusing to me and it makes me think it's an injury thing, Scott, because I've seen him do it. He did it. When he won the job last year against the Jags, the touchdown play he threw to Callaway, you see him point out the blitzers, you see him look off the of safety, but then you see him throw a dime down the field. He's capable of doing it. So you have to sit here and go, well, why is he not now? Why, why is he not trusting the offense, the line? Is it chemistry? But, dude, he didn't play with Callaway and all those guys last year. So what is it? And the only logical thing is I think he's battling his own head, lack of confidence due to the fact that he's injured. He's forcing to try to make a play. It's starting to press on him. And those are all signs of take a breather. I mean, I, I just don't know how else to look at it. But like you said, Drew said it in two sentences. I mean, it's, it's there, guys. It's there. I know everyone wants to go after the play caller. It's there. I'm telling you the plays are there. I mean, they're there. It's just not making the right decisions right now.
ESPN Lafayette, uh, excuse me, 1033 The Goat. That'll happen a few times. The uh, greatest sports talk of all time. I'm Scott Prather. It's the great Scott Schill, Gus Cagnell, Saints and Pelicans correspondent, are in here with, is uh, on the air with us this Sunday in London, Gus. You know, I, I, I just, I need to see some semblance of the offense moving the ball. Who knows what to expect from Kirk Cousins? I mean, the fact that it's, an NFL network only game is, is really good for him. You know, I mean, I guess locally you'll be able to see it, but you know, for the rest of the world, it's like, you got to watch it on the NFL network. So it's not the morning London game. That's like, you know, a big national game of the week. And uh, that's probably a good thing for Kirk cousins because you put him in the spotlight aside from one playoff game in New Orleans, unfortunately, you know, he's usually going to stink it up. You have him in a game that's, you know, kind of quiet under the radar. That's when he just lights things up. Um, defensively, though, you know, the Saints defense has, has done their job for the most part, give or take that one uh, awful play against Chenault last week. Uh, Marcus May was, you know, uh, back at practice this week. That's good. You hope to get guys back in the secondary and have most of them out there. You know, defensively, uh, Kirk Cousins aside, uh, and Justin Jefferson is great. I think defensively the Saints are going to be okay. I think as a defense, it can begin to wear on you mentally when you're out there and you're playing and you're playing and you, you know, you're down 13 to nothing in what the fourth quarter last week and you've given up six points all day. Like, imagine a Saints defense giving up six points last year, even with as bad as that offense was. I mean, you would think, oh, well, that's it. They win. Six points in four quarters? Oh, Saints are good. Years before that. Heck, the, the 15 years before that. Oh, Saints are smoking them. On Sunday, it felt like insurmountable. And I think when the offense is that bad, it can begin to wear on a defense. So if they get a little bit of help from the offense, I think the defense can begin, oh, well, they don't have enough sacks. Well, you know, they're, they're, it's not like they've been playing with these leads, you know? Um, I, I, I think the Saints' defense... As long as the offense is slightly better, which even if they're slightly better, they'll still be bad. But if they're just slightly better, defense will be fine. I'm not worried about the special teams yet. It was it was a bad Sunday last week, but you know that JT Gray and Deontay Hardy, when he's able to come back, and Will Lutz, who you know missed a field goal, and Blake Gilligan, who has not had a great season thus far, but you know all those guys can play. I, I if the offense plays mediocre, the Saints will be two and two. In a, in a league where, you know, if the Jags happen to upset the Eagles, Jags are good this year, then you won't even have any undefeated teams four games into the season, a 17-game season. And even if the Eagles win, okay, that's one undefeated team only four games into the season. You you lose, Gus. You're 1-3, you've lost to some bad teams, and you have zero identity on offense. Or I guess your identity is we're just going to be an offensive offense, uh, not an identity you want. So... I, you know, you asked me must win. I said, you know, I know it's all semantics and it sounds dumb, but it feels like I can't lose type of game. You know, how much, how important, put into words how big of a game this is for the Saints Sunday in the grand scheme of the entire 2022 season. I think it's big for a couple of reasons. Um, obviously, I'm with you, you know, panicking and all of that, you, you do have a lot of season to be played. Um, that said, you kind of want to just start, maybe if anything, just playing to your capabilities. And I think that's kind of the thing that, that you're seeing. If you get beat, you get beat because you don't have this or you don't have that. Problem is you haven't seen that offense sort of take off. And then, you know, again, look, man, the injuries are going to happen. 
Um, it stinks that Michael Thomas had in practice. It, you know, stinks that Landry got hurt in that game. It just, you know, that's kind of one of the other things I was talking about this week too. It's in the past, one of the things that has struggled and, and even, you know what, it, it was towards the end of Sean Payton's tenure as well. It, his team's having trouble overcoming mistakes, overcoming changes of momentum where you feel, man, this could be it. I mean, Scott, go back to last week. That was a tough play to have Kamara be stripped. It was in the first half, what, first quarter, right? I mean, I like, you still had three quarters of football, but it felt like that was four minutes inside of the fourth quarter. And they never recovered from that. Um, you, you see them miss the kick, and you're, you know, I, I heard people just smacking the table where we were and just, oh, you know, it was in the first half. I mean, it, you know, the second one was later, but it, it, you're just, you're getting this feeling of they can't over, oh, that was it. That was the one drive. When Ingram fumbles, that, you know, it just, it took us all game to get on the other side of the 50. It just, they're not overcoming it. And it's almost like a snowball effect on the, on, you know, on the opposite end. It, it's, it, it's crazy to me. Look, we can talk back and forth about plays, players, execution, turnovers, all of that. But I also think there's an, an intangible essence that's missing as well, man. Um, look, the, the guy I do the show with on Thursday, Scott Craig, Rhodes Katie's. He's convinced it's Chauncey Gardner Johnson. You know, it's, others are convinced it's Quan Alexander. Others, it's convinced it's. It's not the offense, like guys. Like Wake up! Sorry yeah. to your friends, I, but good lord. <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. But that's what I'm saying, though. Is if you're watching the game and you're getting that sense and feeling, and you're seeing on the field a team that's not matching the intensity of the three opponents they've played. You understand what I'm saying? Like, is it reasonable to conclude that I'm not saying it's those players, but there is some lack of spark. There's some lack of. Yeah. Energy. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Gus Kagel, I guess. I mean, Alvin Kamara said, we, we just don't have our swagger. Now, you know, it, 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 I don't put that all on a single player. We know the players that are in this locker room. You know, I mean, Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, like, come on. Uh, if you if I'll hear the art with respect to CD Deuce, who I loved, but I, I mean, if you want to tell me Sean Payton, now I'll hear that because that's look, I I probably admittedly can say I underestimated. You know, I didn't think the Saints were going to the Super Bowl this year. I didn't pick that, uh, but I talked a lot about how. You know, I was surprised that the betting line was the odds were larger this year than they were a year ago based on what they did to their roster and that that is the Sean Payton impact. And I guess that's how, you know, a lot in the national media feel about it. And time will tell, right? We're three games into a 17-game season. But I think they missed that. You know, Sean was great at at least later in his career, certainly. But when the Saints had their backs against the wall, he they still had an edge to it. Um, and we haven't seen an edge yet, and that's something that Dennis Allen's going to be tested with here. It's a rough start to the season. You're having injuries at the starting quarterback position for uh, the fourth season in a row. Um, they're big decisions. I get all that, but you're the head coach. I mean, it's your job, and I do think there is the element of Sean Payton in that locker room that they're really missing right now. If they were missing their swagger with – I mean, let me ask you this, Gus, and then and then we're going to let you run soon. Do you feel like they would be missing their quote swagger, as as Alvin Kamara put it, 
at this point already in the season if Sean Payton was the head coach? Man, it's so hard to answer because it almost feels like it's too early to say whether or not right. Dennis Allen. Let's wait till week six. That Sean Let's Payton wait till week six. That said, one of the things that Sean Payton did do was be able to have a pulse, um, motivate, challenge, and it, look, it, it's sort of the same thing when you have a quarterback that isn't vocal and one that is. I got the calls this week. I got one guy who was um, – Losing his mind, dude. He's like, can I just see some bit of fire from my head coach on the sideline? We're used to Sean doing the choke signal to a dirty bird. We're we're used to Sean losing his stuff, right? Like, and it's funny you asked me that because I'm watching the game. Lutz misses it, and I turn to John Forte who's sitting next to me. And I'm like, this is normally the time where Sean would absolutely be giving an earful to Lutz from the middle of the field to the sideline to the bench to him walking to the practice nest, like he, he absolutely would have dog custom up and down. Right. I mean, he absolutely would have. Um, and, and yes, that is missing. Now, does that work? Does that motivate? Does that get people locked in? Um, because when you speak to people, Dennis Allen is intense. He's just not Sean Payton level. And, um, you, you just, again, it's something to keep an eye on, right? Because that's not Pete either. That's not, you know, I mean, I'm playing Pete Carmichael sound yesterday and had a caller call and say, can somebody get him a Red Bull? I mean, you know, it's like, it's, so look, it's just some of those people are not like that. They're just, they're, so I, that's what I'm saying, man. It, it, there, there is an intangible that's, that's tangible, if that makes any sense. Like, I, I can feel something I'm seeing. I can feel something that I, I'm watching that sure. just I get it. doesn't feel right. I get right? it. I get it. Um, uh, and and you asked me, you know, what do you think Sunday uh, on your show? I said, I think we're going to have indigestion for brunch. I mean, I, I hope I'm wrong, Gus. Until I see the offense click. Or, or or just have any semblance of any kind of real rhythm. Uh, not in, And I'm not talking about fourth quarter cosmetic stats. I'm talking about, you know, I mean, we've seen them have a little drive here or there and then boom, a fumble or a penalty or whatever. Until we see this offense actually click and put together real NFL drives, I am not going to be betting on the Saints, even though I have a future on them because, you know, I had to put a future on the Pelicans yesterday because that's what I do. But the point is, that's the fan of me, not the objective sports talk guy in me. I I, I will not I, I, I will not predict that the Saints will get things done until they give me a reason to offensively. And if they do, then I'm gonna then I'll probably feel a little if their offense looks adequate Sunday, then I'm gonna say Saints will beat Seattle the following week, and then they'll be three and two. But, man, until I see it, Gus, I just can't sit here and tell you that they're going to put it together and win on Sunday. What's your prediction for Sunday's game in London, and then we'll let you run? Um, I actually think the Saints win. I hope you're I right. Do. I, I hope you right. I think Andy Dalton is going to move the ball. Okay. Um, I think – and here's the other thing I know was talking about, because everyone obviously is talking about the quarterback and Jimmy Swinston issue. Um, they, Dalvin Cook has a separated shoulder. Now, that guy is dynamic. That guy has killed the Saints. 
But if he doesn't play, that's an issue for them. I mean, I, I know they have Jefferson and Cousins. I think he's up and down. But I, I just, if he doesn't play, that's a help and that's a win for the Saints. And I don't know if you've been able to play with the separated shoulder or not. Can you put a brace on there or not? They have a long season. They looked really good to start the year. Then they looked that bad uh, on that primetime game against Philly, which looks amazing, though. Um, so I don't think it'll be easy. But I do think you're going to you know, see some, some players you know, make some plays and, and do really well, man. I, I legitimately feel that way. Look, by the way, Chris Salave, who I kept saying is going to be incredible, Leads the team in targets, reception yards, he's and been great. the NFC Offensive Rookie of the Month. Been great. So there you go. I mean, he's been awesome. fourth, so, fourth you know Saint to ever well. earn that honor. By the way, NFL Offensive Rookie of the Month. Uh, Marcus Colston did it in October of 2006. Reggie Bush did it two months later in December of 2006, and Alvin Kamara did it uh, in in November 2017. So pretty good Saints company that uh, Chris Olave is in after the first three games of his NFL career. Shout yeah, out to no him. Looking, All right. looking forward to it, man. We got to let you run, man. I appreciate it. As always, my friend, have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs> I love that. Good stuff, man. Take care, guys. You got it. Gus Cagel. <laughs> You're listening to 103.3 The Goat. Simulcast on 1420.